Welcome to Maternal Health Innovation, a podcast from the Maternal Health Learning and Innovation Center at UNC Chapel Hill, where we connect around culture, measures, and best practices in maternal health. The purpose of these conversations is to authentically explore what's working well and think together about ways to strengthen care for birthing parents, for families, and those seeking to serve them. I'm Tanisa Adimu, Assistant Project Director at the Georgia Health Policy Center, where we provide evidence-based research, program development, and policy guidance to improve health status at the community level. Today, I'm excited to be talking with Mari Luz Martinez and Dr. Anna Terranova from Texas, and Barbara Gleason, Morgan Nesselrod, Sue Kingdig, and Rebecca Berger from Missouri. Both groups from Texas and Missouri have RMOMS programs or Rural Maternal Obstetrics Management Strategies programs. So what is RMOMS? RMOMS is a federally funded grant program that seeks to improve maternal health in rural communities. The Texas and Missouri RMOMS representatives with us today that you'll hear from are awardees of the initial pilot between the Federal Office of Rural Health Policy and the Maternal and Child Health Bureau. Today, we'll be talking about innovative solutions these teams are implementing to address issues facing birthing people in rural areas. So I've mentioned several times now the word innovation. And when we think about innovation, what word comes to mind? So Dr. Anna Terranova, what, what is innovation? What is innovation? Let's just get back to the kind of general definition before we apply to the rural maternity and obstetrics management strategies program, right? So innovation is a practical implementation of some ideas. And the way I think of it, it's not something like wild and and unsustainable, but rather practical implementation that actually results in the introduction of either some type of new services or perhaps improvement in providing existing services. And that definition fits really well to the uh, Texas RMOMS. So the innovation is very much so a process that focuses on either a novel approach or improvement of existing uh, steps, actions, what have you, and definitely dissemination of those ideas or processes. And unfortunately, at this point of time, we're in an urgent need to use those keys of innovation to make that difference and improve maternal health. Why? Because unfortunately, based on statistics, uh, such as National Center for Health Statistics, Texas is one of the 50 states that ranks at the bottom of the 40 states with maternal mortality rate being very high of about 34 per 100,000. Furthermore, American Journal of Managed Care reports that the United States actually has the highest maternal mortality rate, which is really high for a developed world. And we also have relative undersupply of maternity care providers and no guaranteed access to provider uh, visits or paid parental leave at this point. There's a lot of conversation, but we still don't have it. And so moreover, maternal deaths have been increasing in the United States for the last 20 years. And what is alarming is that the two thirds of those deaths are actually considered to be preventable. So we can't just continue doing the same thing over and over again. We have to make that difference. And we have to make the difference to reverse that trend and to address the high uh, maternal mortality rate, which is too high for us to have as a nation. 
So we need those new ideas to improve current processes. And so by definition, this is the innovation that would be applicable to the Our Moms program. Thank you for sharing those statistics. Clearly a lot of work to be done and innovation to be implemented. So what does innovation in maternal health look like? What does that mean to you, Barb? I feel like Dr. Terranova gave a beautiful um, outline of what innovation is, as well as how it fits into maternal care. But when, when we think about that in Missouri as well, it's you know bringing together new and exciting ideas why we are leveraging the programs that are already in place and how we enhance those programs and um, provide the support for them to work together and bring all their great outcomes together into one process. Sue, is there anything you want to add there? Sure. I'm going to go way bolder. I think um, innovation is really changing things. And um, sometimes that means changing things a lot. Uh, we have we know that we have high maternal mortality rates. We have had high mort- maternal mortality rates for a number of years, and they have been rising, whereas in other parts of the world, they have been decreasing. So clearly, what we have been doing doesn't work. And opportunities like the Our Moms program provides providers, communities in rural areas, the opportunity to really look at the system and change things up so that it isn't business as usual. And I think that's the exciting piece of the Our Moms program. Thank you, Barb and Sue. There's a a lot to be changed and improved. And we talked about issues facing birthing people in rural areas. And there are a variety of those, whether or not it's life-threatening, complications that rural communities are experiencing at a higher rate when compared to urban or provider shortages, transportation challenges. There's a lot of issues facing birthing people in rural areas. Mari Luz, in what areas, based on all of the challenges and the ideas for change, what areas do you believe innovation is most needed, particularly in rural areas? Uh, That's a great question. And and I really feel that there is not any one specific area that there really innovation would help us in in terms of maternal health throughout the continuum of care. But as others have stated, um, innovation that addresses preventable maternal mortality and severe morbidity are definitely needed. And for example, preeclampsia, if we had improved diagnostic tools to treat preeclampsia, we could help those at-risk women and even help them to receive low-cost treatment before it became the problem that it, ha- it is for 20% of the women who deliver. Well, to add on to what Mary Lewis was saying is it's a very simple, simple cost-effective, let every mom have a blood pressure cuff and connection with her physician's office so that she can give recordings um, to make a change in that preeclampsia number and the number of uh, preterm births and maternal, poor maternal outcomes. I think the other piece of that is also not just looking at what's happening during the pregnancy, certainly during the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And and in some cases, postpartum, we do have to look for those warning signs and diagnose preeclampsia, but cardiovascular issues, hypertensive crises can occur after the birth. And we sometimes forget that. And deploying, forming those partnerships and deploying our partners in the community, particularly during that postpartum time after birthing people have left the hospital, 
can really help to assess not only for social and material risk and support, but also follow up on some of these really important clinical factors that emerge during the pregnancy, but continue on after postpartum. I also wanted to add that the focus on rural area is very important because um, historically we've been experiencing the expansion and centralization of services in urban areas in attempt to address those rising uh, numbers of uh, maternal death. Uh, but I think this is not the right way to approach it. And we would rather need to focus on leveraging and expanding the existing services and using technology, in particular telehealth and specialty care using telehealth for those high-risk pregnancies. So innovation is kind of improving something that we should be doing more, bigger, and greater. And so with the focus on technology and telehealth, that would be a potential answer. So I feel like you're all hinting at some of the great work that you're doing already. You're mentioning some strategies, many of which you're implementing, but let's talk about that. Uh, share a little bit with the audience what programs or policies or initiatives that you're specifically working on through your Our Moms grant. We'll start with Barb in Missouri. At a very basic level, we are trying to, we are bringing the clinical and the community pieces together. We want to integrate those into a model that allows for assessment of social determinants of health and other risk factors, whether they are in the hospital or being seen out in the community by WIC or any other uh, support services that they may be using, and providing those moms with the information and the education to embrace support systems. But then the other piece of that is also just finding ways to pay for that and making it valuable to funders for those initial assessments and those initial engagements with the moms to find out really what they need to be successful during their pregnancy. So, so we have um, put in place a system care coordinator who meets with our moms and just has conversation with them to find out what, what is important to them right now and what kind of social determinants of health are they struggling with? Do they need transportation? Do they need housing? And through that process, we're learning a lot and having to remember that what we feel like is a crisis may not be a crisis to that mom because she has lived in that situation for so very long that that's her normal life. And so we have to really dig down deep and find out what, what it is that she needs at that moment. Rebecca, would you like to add anything about the system care coordination and what you're seeing? Sure. Yeah. Um, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Uh, you know, when they come in to see me, there may be something that others around them may think is, is the big issue that we need to, to focus on and work on. When in reality, it, it may be a very, very basic need that to them is, is really overpowering or overshadowing the other need. And so having that conversation with them to get their story and what their need is. And if you if that's where their focus is today at this moment, if we help them, give them the resources to tackle that challenge, that then builds them in many ways. It, it kind of is empowering to them and, and, and such so they have the tools to continue to tackle the other things that they're seeing. No, and Barb is a little bit too um, modest in this, but the care system coordinator was really a stroke of brilliance because what we heard when we were writing for our moms was the community members did not want another program. 
because when we did our asset mapping, we found there are a lot of programs. They're all grant, you know, many grant supported, but there are a lot of programs that offer navigation and so forth. But there isn't necessarily that linkage. So what the care system coordinator does is really do that first assessment and then hands off to our partners the opportunity for the care coordination and bringing in the other agencies. Isn't Barb and Morgan, isn't that sort of the premise for all of this? Absolutely. And, you know, right now while we're looking for ways to create this uh, value-based model around the initial visits, we're also looking at ways that we can work around limited FTEs and limited staff by doing some self-assessments with the moms, having an iPad with just a few questions that allow them to get connected with the system care coordinator and have further in-depth conversations to what kind of support that mom needs during her pregnancy and after. You know, and when I would like to lastly touch base um, in regards to the system care coordination, I think one big piece that we we saw in the beginning and, and one thing that we so it's a very high need and not just within the clinical settings, but also, you know, the social service settings was, you know, finding those gaps, where are those women falling, you know, at, at what point, touch point, are they falling through the gaps and, and we lose them um, within our, our coordination services or our navigation services. So we are looking at um, a referral and resource um, platform. That's going to be cross-agency that that will hopefully you know cut down on that. And also we're we're approaching approaching it within a, a collaborative effort. So we're looking at it, you know, through braided funding and whatnot. So it will be beneficial, not just in the clinical setting, but definitely the social and community-based settings as well. Thank you, Missouri. Certainly a great example of care coordination and system improvement and meeting patients where they are. So thank you for sharing. Mari Luz, Dr. Terranova, what are you doing in Texas? In Texas, we are using uh, telehealth in several ways to increase access uh, to care for our high-risk patients. Uh, Typically, uh, and to give you a a point of reference, our rural partners are about uh, an hour and a half to three hours from San Antonio, where they, most patients who are referred to our maternal fetal medicine doctors are located. And so through telehealth, we are doing several things. One is reducing any barriers that patients have to transportation, because we, we have learned that some patients, they want to know or want their primary care doctor or obstetrician to refer them, but yet when they know they have to set up an appointment and then might involve a three-hour drive back and forth, uh, it becomes a real challenge for them. So by utilizing telehealth, our maternal fetal medicine team has developed 12 indications for telemedicine referrals, where before, you know, we would just have them come to San Antonio. Now, if they fall under one of those categories, something like gestational diabetes, uh, they they don't need to come all the way to San Antonio to see one of the specialists. They can actually, uh, the perinatal case manager that is at the partner site can schedule a telemedicine consult. And with that also comes increasing the education that we provide to our rural providers for using telehealth and in treating those high-risk maternal cases if there is a co-management of the care and also to just educate them 
in terms of responding to the early warning signs of obstetric emergency. Are other conditions that it may exist? For example, one of the things in combined with um, the telemedicine uh, trainings for the doctors is that we're training sonographers at the rural sites so that they can do a more complete uh, and higher, uh, they call it advanced anatomy screenings versus a basic anatomy screening with our moms where they'll be able to really tell if there are any complications that are cardiac associated with the babies. And we're working with our fetal cardiologists at University Health in order to train the sonographers as well as the maternal fetal medicine team. So we're excited that we are able to provide the education to the providers, to the uh, sonographers, and of course, we also have added funds in the program to su supply telemedicine carts to both hospitals in our rural areas. Anna, you want, you want to add anything to that, Doctor? Absolutely. Um, what I hear our Missouri um, team saying is that their partners did not want another program, and that's across the map everywhere. Nobody wants that yet another program. So the innovation here is pretty much to leverage and expand the existing resources, existing partnerships, and tackle that program as a team. And that approach is that the practical side of the innovation that will basically in turn uh, remain sustainable. And being that stronger network that now is equipped with better knowledge of all the existing resources, plus telehealth, is that's what will give us the ability to address the existing issues and tackle the existing problems as a team and approach it better and faster. The network is not a new idea. The partners were always there. We just did not have that habit of working together. And I think when we formed that working together habit, that's what spurs better and more efficient approach to tackling the issue. That's good and leads me to my next question. But first, I just I want to just say kudos to you all for how you are building capacity in rural areas through your trainings and through telehealth, because I, I think that that certainly helps position what you're doing and what they're doing for sustainability. But when you talk about the network was there and it's so important to partner and to have formal partnerships so that we can't do this work along as single agencies. There's so many others in states that can support the work that we're doing, which brings me to my next question. Uh, how do you think states, payers in states, public health, policymakers, social and human services can support the innovative work that you all are doing? You know, I think one of the key factors there is the opportunity to look at innovative payment models and one of the things I, I thought was brilliant about the RMOMS application is that the state and Medicaid agencies are required partners. You know, payment models primarily look at providers and health systems, healthcare organizations. And yet to really get the outcomes that we want, we need to look at our community partners who provide transportation, who address social determinants and structural determinants like uh, food insecurity, make sure people are linked to mental health services and all of those things that we know are number one drivers of and contributors to maternal mortality. And, you know, we're learning more and more about how all of that contributes to the disparities, the disparate outcomes in 
pregnancy as, as well as newborn outcomes. So, you know, we are really working with leaders um, in the state to talk about innovative payment models where our clinical services are supported, but also those community-based organizations and partners that most often rely on soft money are somehow looped in to be able to access payment, whether it's in a value-based model or other ways, um, in order to keep them viable as well. Because if our community partners who are providing these services go away, the program will not be sustainable. I'm going to take us back to before the grant was actually written. There has been tremendous interest in areas in Missouri that have high maternal and infant mortality, and the Boot Hill region is among the highest. So there are partners, mainly because of the people in the Boot Hill who participate in our perinatal uh, learning action network, which is the precursor to our PQC, our participants in our maternal mortality review processes and so forth that really bring that story. And conversely, as we have been building the collaborations necessary to be successful with our moms, those partners from across the state were rooting for the boot heel and, and helping to provide information. And they are still rooting for the boot heel and, and very involved in these programs. So I think that I think that's the other thing is, is people in the rural communities assuring that states, policymakers, social service agencies, whatever, payers are assuring that they have rural representation in everything so that when these opportunities come about, we are all working together as a state to make it happen. That's great because then solutions can be tailored for rural communities and not tailored for other communities and then backfit or try to right fit for, for rural context. So that's really good. You mentioned high maternal mortality. I know Barb and Rebecca touched a little bit on just providing, I don't know that you use these words, but I know you're doing it, culturally competent care. And we're hearing a lot about just equity and how do we do our work in ways that are more equitable and Sue mentioned that in certain regions of Missouri, there's higher mortality rates. In some instances, that might be higher among certain populations. So how can we innovate the way that we do our work in ways that make it even more effective and really bring about more equitable solutions? Barb, I'll start with you. I think that it goes, it's part of educating at the very basic level of what equality and equity look like. And for me that when I finally got the right words, it was so easy to explain that to others that um, I did home visiting for 20 years and the conversation would always fall to why do they need more than one home visiting program? And I could Perfect. never really get myself expressed the way I wanted to. And now it is, everybody gets one because it's equal. But the mom that gets two or three, that's the equity piece that builds her up and lifts her up and gives her the, the, the support she needs to reach the same level as the mom who got the one home visiting program. And so just educating on that and really coming back to that point frequently so that people understand that equity and equality are not the same thing, though they sound very similar. And we believe a lot of times that they are the same thing. 
That gave me chills. I wish you could see my goosebumps as you describe <laughs> that. <laughs> That's good. Um, Morgan, you want to add some more to that? You know, I, I think when looking at the equitable, equitable approach, you know, one thing that we did realize is that we, we were missing certain populations that we really wanted to target. And, and going back to what Barb said earlier, you know, these iPads, implementing those within these offices where we are actually reaching those populations that otherwise could possibly have been missed. So, you know, we were working daily, um, with our equity work groups and um, doing lots of education and training on our own as well. And not just implementing those, you know, out to our work groups, but really on the back end to, to really look at the equitable approach and, and how we implement that within our project. I think it's important to know that even, you know, our partner organizations are also, you know, equitable approaches are the driving force for, for their initiatives, for their programs and whatnot. So we're all moving in a parallel direction. Um, and I think that's where we're going to see a lot of change. So let's, let's think about lessons, lessons for others who are working to advance maternal health, who are working to design innovative solutions in this area. Based on your own experience, your practice wisdom, what would you say is one of the greatest lessons that you've learned that you would share with them? So Rebecca, I'll start with you. What's a lesson for others working to design innovative solutions in these areas? So one of the lessons that I think for me has, Mike, is continued patience and not being not being afraid to express what you truly feel, you know, to, to be that voice to help carry these moms along. I'll add on to lessons learned. For me, I take it very personal when things don't go the way they're supposed to go. And so I've had to accept that just because it looks like it failed, it is not a failure. And I was actually on a call recently that talked about the invention of the light bulb. And then it was like a thousand attempts before the light bulb was developed. And it was like, so you failed, you know, 999 times. And it's like, no, it took a thousand steps to make this happen. And so I have to remember that when we hit some, a wall and we're struggling to understand it, that it's just, it's just a learning moment and we regroup and we move forward again. I've once read and it has stuck with me for many years now and I I've actually tried to Google quickly who the author was, um, and I can't find the quote anywhere, but to create change, you must first become uncomfortable. That has resonated in this line of work, especially over the past couple of years um, during the implementation of the care coordination and really getting in on this ground level with this these moms um, with our partner organizations, you know. I know that Texas Armands mentioned earlier, innovation is change. And so um, change is uncomfortable at times and it's going to be. And that doesn't mean that it's wrong. So um, being able to take it by the horns and run with it, it's, it's important. And then also, I think listening to your communities. Mm-hmm. That is one thing that we've, we've really tried to do. Um, as Barb has stated, you know, really listening to what their needs are. And at the end of the day, it's empowering not just the organizations and agencies, but the groundwork 
in these communities and these moms. So letting them drive the work. Um, well, Morgan, you took the words right out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> and my role is a little bit different because I'm a technical consultant to the project. I actually live in St. Louis, even though I, I've worked in the boot hill for a number of years. And I think it's honoring the wisdom in the community. That is the absolute most important because many of these grants do have people like me from the outside the community. And I think honoring the wisdom is really important. Um, the other thing is really looking at all of the services and organizations that touch um, birthing people throughout the pregnancy and postpartum. Um, because for example, when we brought the initial group together to talk about our moms and the opportunity, we brought the required partners together. And they sat in the room and said, we want our health departments represented in the grant. We want our mental health providers represented because two of the key drivers of maternal deaths in Missouri are, are overdose, accidental overdose, and suicide. So they built a very large network because they did not want to leave anyone out. And I think that is a really important message. You have to have a lot of players as part of the program and not just who is initially on the program, but bring in the people that will be sustaining the program after the grant personnel will no longer be there in terms of your, like our agency. What I mean is, you know, there are uh, people that uh, started when we first were writing the grant and might've taken a step back, but I'm bringing them back to be involved because they are the ones that are going to be here to support those rural partners because they're the ones that are like on the outreach team or the maternal fetal medicine team that, you know, maybe initially weren't as active, but now they're, they're starting to really do more. And they're the experts, especially when it comes to maternal care. And they really know uh, and they are just as passionate as you are about maternal health. And I saw Barb nodding, so I, I feel like I'm not the only one who was going through that. <laughs> and I would just yeah. second to what Morgan and Mary Luce have said. Um, the local uh, stakeholder uh, partnership involvement is really crucial, not just in the planning uh, timing of the programs, but also in the implementation and being somewhat flexible and being able to adjust and adapt to the change. That's what uh, the key to sustainability. And we have learned that no matter what, we have to continue working COVID or not COVID, or even in Texas, snowed or no snowed, we have to continue, you know, uh, and stay in touch, stay with the partners. Uh, we have to continuously uh, navigate our patients to the services that they need. And that's actually the core of the culturally tailored and culturally appropriate services when you do listen to what the community needs. Thank you all. Thank you all. One final question, uh, and anyone from your programs can answer. Is there any way for people to support your efforts? And if they're interested in supporting or joining you in your efforts, where can they find you? How can they get in touch with you? I do believe that uh, information on all of the uh, programs are available on the HRSA website under the rural maternity. So we're all listed and we, there is a little explanation of what the focus of each program. So that would be probably the easiest way. 
And I would also encourage uh, everyone to ponder and consider the importance of maternity uh, and maternal health, because this is the future of the nation. So we really have to address the maternal and neonatal health now uh, and stop that trend of rising uh, mortality numbers. And talking to the local politicians, taking it to the hill and explaining the need to improve funding, improve and expand Medicaid services. I think those are the components that would be helpful for us. Anybody from Missouri, would you add anything? Sue said call Barb if you're interested in (laughs) anything in Missouri. What else would you add? Well, just like it, you know, we've heard it takes a village to to raise a child. It takes a village to do this type of work. And so um, that we need different perspectives and different lenses and different voices so that we are making sure that we reach everybody and being inclusive. And so, yeah, absolutely. Call Barb. The email is probably easier to remember. B. Gleason at sfmc.net. But like Dr. Terranova said, we are on the HRSA website and you can find us through there. much everyone thank you all for taking the time to join us today and to share your experiences and thank you all for listening everyone for more podcasts videos blogs and maternal health content visit the maternal health learning and innovation center and the website is maternalhealthlearning.org i'm tanisa adimu and we'll talk to you soon on maternal health innovation This project is supported by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS, under grant number U7CMC33636, State Maternal Health Innovation Support and Implementation Program Cooperative Agreement. This information or content and conclusions are those of the author and should not be construed as the official position or policy of, nor should any endorsements be inferred by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.